Easter is upon us, and we are down the stretch. There are people that we know who are far from God, and they need to hear the good news of God's rescuing love given through Jesus Christ. And they are waiting for an invitation from you to join you this Easter to hear this life-changing, world-transforming message. It's up to us. It's up to us. Now, how will we respond? There are green cards all over the place. They do us no good after Sunday. Every person who is a member of this church needs to grab a stack and hand them out. I went to the airport on Monday afternoon, took a stack with me, and I handed them to TSA agents and Starbucks baristas, and uh, they asked me for my driver's license, I gave them a card. <laughs> we need to do everything we can, whatever it takes to help that one who is far from God find life through faith in Jesus Christ. This weekend is going to be one of those weeks where the gospel will be presented and proclaimed in all of its fullness. You don't want to miss the opportunity to help someone, neighbor, friend, family member uh, who is far from God find life in Christ. Grab a stack. Invite. 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 On Friday, uh, Good Friday, uh, this upcoming Friday at noon, we're having a Good Friday service. It will be uh, an individual, unique service that uh, lasts somewhere between 45 minutes and 60 minutes. It won't bump up into work, although you'll give up your lunch hour if you're working this week. Many of you are on spring break, so it's a prime opportunity to begin uh, this wondrous reflection on all that Jesus has done for us. Good Friday. Here in this room, be sure and be here with us at noon. And then Saturday at 6, uh, we're having worship that's going to be just like it is at 9 and 10.30 on Sunday morning. Encourage you to come on Saturday night and give some room for people in parking uh, at 9 and 10.30 on Sunday. Uh, or maybe you invite a neighbor. They say, well, I can only come Sunday at 9, and you're thinking, well, I need, my, I need, I need some unique time for me and my family. Well, come Saturday night. Bring your, fr bring your friend or your neighbor on Sunday or wrap that up vice versa. It doesn't really matter, but let's just take advantage of this season that God in His grace has given us, and let's do all that we can to live the mission that God has given us to, give, uh, to live. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 22. We're celebrating Lord's Supper today, and the Lord's Supper is all about sacrifice. Now, what is sacrifice? Uh, I've told this story before, but every time I think of sacrifice, I think of uh, Edie and I, when we were younger parents, we had Emily Catherine, uh, who is our oldest daughter. We had uh, Elizabeth, who is our second daughter. Uh, that, that's Nora's uh, mother. Have I told you lately, I have a granddaughter. Her name is Nora. Anyway, and then our third daughter is Maggie, and then our youngest daughter is Mallory. Maggie, number three daughter. Uh, Edie and I were young parents, and uh, like uh, you do when you're young parents and you're trying to make ends meet, you look for any kind of side gig that you can get. And in preacher world, side gigs communicate as revival. Uh, or student camps, or any kind of speaking engagement like that. And so 
uh, we, uh, were, we had a quiver full of children, and I was trying to make ends meet. And, and uh, uh, by uh, uh, Similac, I don't know if they do Similac anymore. What did we use? Similac. Similac and Pampers, you know, trying to, trying to make ends meet. And so uh, we're, uh, this had been a string of things, and, and the church where I was, they were gracious to let uh, me do this to make ends meet, and I was on a string of different student camps, and I, I really didn't want to go. I, I just, I was tired, and I didn't, I missed Edie, and I missed the girls. I just didn't want to go, and, and so here I am packing my bags, and, and we know, it, 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 the family knows I'm not really excited about going again, and um, so Maggie, number three daughter, she had a silky. Now, Silky was a, a wonderful little uh, a security blanket kind of thing that she had. It was Silky, thus its name, and she had it for always and forever. It was, uh, it was life-giving to her, right? She'd sit there with a thumb in her mouth and her Silky in her fingers, and she would just, and she couldn't sleep without Silky. She didn't feel safe without Silky. Silky was the thing. And Silky, and Silky was so important that we had to go to the, or Edie had to go to the, the uh, uh, place where you buy fabric stuff and find substitutes Silkies and, and hide them in the pantry in case one Silky was lost. I mean, it was a big deal. And y'all know, parents, you know, you, you, you've, you've ex- seen that. All right, so uh, I'm in our bedroom and, and, and I'm packing the bag and I'm probably got a bad attitude, roughing, roughing. And all of a sudden, Maggie comes up and says, Daddy, what's wrong? She said, I said, I just don't want to go. And she said, and she had her silky in her hand. And she looked at me. She looked at her silky. And she looked at me. She looked at her silky. And she said, here, Daddy, take the silky. And maybe it'll make you feel better. That was sacrifice. Giving up something that you love to help someone that you love. That was sacrifice. Today we're looking at the greatest sacrifice, the most life-giving sacrifice. It's the sacrifice of Jesus. And Jesus sacrificed himself in order to rescue sinners like you and me. And that's what we're celebrating today. Look and Luke chapter 22, this is the encounter that Jesus had as he's preparing his disciples for his death, a death that would come uh, just shortly, a few days, and Jesus was going to be killed. And so we read this encounter. Jesus, verse 14, Luke 22, verse 14, Jesus When the hour had come, Jesus sat down and the 12 apostles with him, and he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I say to you, I'll no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks, and he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
He also took the cup cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Today, as we look at this passage, I, I want us to be captured by this wondrous sacrifice that Jesus has made so that one more might be part of God's family. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming from the Judean hillside, now you remember Jesus is born in Bethlehem, and he's related to John the Baptist, who is uh, his elder cousin. And, And so John the Baptist is born, and John the Baptist is given a mission from God to go and prepare the way for the Messiah, Jesus. And so Jesus is born, he works with Joseph in his in his carpenter's shop, and then he begins his earthly ministry. John the Baptist is already preaching, and then Jesus shows up where John the Baptist is preaching. John the Baptist sees Jesus, and he says, John 1, 29, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus gave himself as this perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God, so that our sin might be forgiven. As we look at this passage, as we prepare our hearts to take communion, I want you to see, first and foremost, Christ's fervent desire. I want you to feel this fervent desire that Jesus had. So Jesus is is at the end of his earthly ministry. It's been about four years, three and a half, four years of, of ministering since the time John the Baptist saw him. And Jesus has worked miracles, and he's done great and mighty things. He's raised the dead. He's healed the sick. He's taught what it means to be part of God's family. He's prepared his disciples for his departure. And now he um, is with his disciples, and they're taking the Passover meal. The Passover meal is a meal that uh, Jewish people still celebrate today. It's a celebration of how God... Uh, used sacrifice to set the children of Israel free from bondage in Egypt. It is a meal that, and, and a, a week-long celebration that uh, the Jewish people uh, uh, celebrated. In my Bible reading plan today, uh, in, in the book of Numbers, it, it talks about Passover and the Passover week and the Passover celebration. And, and and, and this is what Jesus is celebrating with his disciples. This, he's looking at the table and he sees the lamb, the Passover lamb, that symbolized the sacrifice to set the children of Israel free from bondage in Egypt. And as he looked at the lamb, he saw himself. He is the lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And he had a fervent desire. Now, verse 15, he says, um, with desire, I have desired to eat this meal with you before I suffer. Okay? Now, the language, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but the language of the Greek, uh, Koine Greek there, is a specific construction, and when you see two verb, uh, a verb and a noun joined together that have the same uh, spelling root, epithumia, uh, this, this same root, with epithumia, I have epithumia. 
okay? It's not, that's not what it says, but it's similar, okay? So it is with desire I have desired. You know what he's saying? I have doubled up desire. I have a yearning that's deep. I have a passion that is propelling me. It is something in my bones, and I must press forward. What is this fervent desire that propelled Jesus headlong to a cross? Oh, we see a clue in verse 15. With desire, I have desired to share this meal with you before I suffer. A couple of things here. The fervent desire of Jesus that propelled him headlong to his own death, to sacrifice himself, included suffering. Now, why would suffering be something that he had a fervent desire? We hear this in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 says that we are to keep our focus on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What is this joy that Jesus had as he endured the cross? It is the joy that those who are far from God now have a bridge to God. That those who are distanced from God by sin now have a pathway to enter into God's family. But it demanded suffering. It demanded sacrifice. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says it this way. It says, God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God treated Jesus as if Jesus had lived your life or mine so that he might be able to treat us as if we had lived Christ's life. In this wondrous exchange that demanded sacrifice, Jesus had a fervent desire to suffer on behalf of those who were sitting around the table with him and on behalf of those who are here and on behalf of the one more who is yet to come into the family. And Jesus has a fervent desire for you You realize that? His fervent desire includes sinners like you and me. This is the powerful picture of Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who are the ungodly? Who are the ungodly? Everybody raise your hand. That's the ungodly. You are not me. Yes. Yes, you. Me. For in, it's just important to remind ourselves. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died 
for the ungodly. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Perhaps for a good man, someone may dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see, can you feel this fervent desire in the heart of Jesus for sinners like you and me that led him to sacrifice, to die upon a cross as payment for our sin. What fills this meal with significance is the sacrifice of Christ. As we come, let's let's feel this fervent desire. It's not just a fervent desire for you, however. Let's be clear. Let's not be too narcissistic. The world doesn't revolve around you, Eric Thomas. Yes, Jesus died for sinners, but he did it because that's the purpose of God. And Jesus lived and breathed for God the Father's glory. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son might also glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given to him, and this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I've finished the work you've given to me on the earth. I've glorified you on this earth. The high priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17 tells us that Jesus had a fervent desire to suffer because he had a fervent desire to bring God glory. Sacrifice to give up himself for the blessing of those whom he loved. Are you here today with this misconception that somehow you deserve, that you deserve to be part of God's family? We don't. Friends, I don't deserve to be part of God's family, yet praise Him. He had a fervent desire for a sinner like me, and He showered me with His mercy, and He poured out His grace so that today I am forgiven by His sacrifice. Do you feel Christ's fervent desire you come to the meal and feel not only his fervent desire, but celebrate his saving work. Isaiah 53, Isaiah 56 tells us the story of, of our own miserable life. Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs, He has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that would bring us peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are made whole. 
All we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. Oh, the saving work of Jesus Christ. Looking upon a wretch like me, he died and suffered as sacrifice to pay for my sin so that I might be fit for God's family. This is the saving work of Jesus Christ. That's what he spells out when he takes the bread and he says, this is my body. He's saying, I'm giving my life so that you might live. He takes the cup and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. Not an old covenant that can only be followed by rules and regulations, but a new covenant. A covenant of God's great grace that sets us free from the condemnation of sin and and the the things that the law could not fulfill, that Jesus, who, who has fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law, has now given that wondrous uh, justification of life to us through his sacrifice. This is the cup of the new covenant. My blood, he says, shed for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus knows that without the shedding of blood, there'll be no for forgiveness of sin, but in him, through his blood, we are forgiven. All that sin has done to us has been conquered through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that we who were far from God, now through the, the cross of Christ, can enter into God's family when we repent our sin and place our faith in Jesus. When we repent our sin and place our faith in Jesus, not when we follow a ritual. Every time we have communion, I feel it necessary. I, I, I think it demands me as pastor, as the under-shepherd to say, if you are depending upon a wafer and juice to make you right with God, then you are lost. You will be forever disappointed. There is no wafer and there is no juice that can remove the stain of your sin. Only, yes, only the sacrifice of Christ and your faith in him, not in, not in an element. The bread and the cup that you'll come and gather in a moment is just that, bread and juice. It does not dispense grace. It doesn't make you holy. It is just a symbol of what God has already hopefully accomplished in your heart and life as you placed your faith in Jesus and repented your sin. I also feel it's important to say that just because you signed a membership card doesn't mean that you're part of God's family. You know, the Baptist way is always, let's sign a card. Let's sign up, get registered. I'm not against it. I'm just saying that that doesn't bring us into God's family. It doesn't make us fit for God's family. Our sin is no mere minor malady. Our sin has destroyed our soul. 
Our sin has created a vortex of despair in which we live in a cycling down toward destruction. Our sin is more than just something that needs a simple band-aid or a ritual or following rules or a membership in a club. Our sin has separated us from God and we can't cross that chasm. So Jesus came to us and he died for our sin upon a cross to forgive our sin. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and three days later he was raised from the dead so that when we turn from our sin and turn from ourself and turn from our doing and embrace him as our only hope for rescue and life and forgiveness, in that moment, this transaction of God's grace takes hold our heart and we who once were dead are now alive. And if that is your testimony today, then yes, we celebrate Christ's saving work through the meal of the Lord's Supper. But if that's not you, if everything that you have in terms of a relationship with God is only here, and you have not experienced a change of heart and a change of life, then friends, I beg you today, come to Christ and be saved. Believe the gospel that God sent Jesus to rescue you through his death on the cross, through his sacrifice for your sin, and that he was raised from the dead so that you might have new life. And today you can be rescued if you let go of everything and come to him as your only hope, your savior, your king. In a moment, we're going to take this meal together, and this meal is for believers. It's not for church members who aren't believers. It's not for people who want to feel better about themselves. This is a meal for those who are part of God's family through faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's who you are in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come up and our deacons will be standing at the tables and, and you come up and you get one of, the, uh, one of these little packages that has the bread and the cup and go back to your seat and we'll go walk through the, the, uh, the celebration meal together. But if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, if you have not become a new creation in Christ where old things have passed away and all things have become new, I beg you today, come to Christ. If you have questions about that, then don't let this day pass without talking to one of these deacons or myself or talking to uh, uh, Seth or David at the Next Step station. We want to help you. But being religious is not the same thing as being forgiven your sin and being part of God's family. Let's not confuse the two. Last thing, and, and I want to get this in before we have communion, but Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul has just described all the benefits of believing on Jesus. I mean, I mean he's, he's gone deep. He's taken a deep dive in describing what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's in, in Romans, uh, Romans 1 through uh, 11, he talks about um, that, that we, we've all... Uh, uh, all of us are, 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 uh, uh, have sinned against the glory of God. And he talks about the wages of sin is death. And, 
And just Romans 5, 8, where I just said, hey, listen, uh, God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And he's gone through that. And now chapter 12, verse 1, he, he wants, he's turning it. He's saying, now here's what you do with this new life you have. Now I want you to hear Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service of worship. Those of us who have experienced the blessing and the benefit of Christ's sacrifice are now commissioned by God into a lifestyle of sacrifice for him. When we leave this place, having taken the cup and, and, and having, having taken the bread, the one thing we must do is to live a lifestyle of sacrificial service to God for his glory. That, that is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So let's celebrate the Lord's Supper communion together. Let's reflect on Christ's urgency, his fervent desire for us and for God's glory that would lead him to a cross. And let's celebrate Christ's saving work on our behalf. Let's bow our heads. Father, as we have gathered here in your name and as you have spoken according to your word, spoken your word to your people gathered here, I pray first for those who are not yet followers of Christ. I, in, the, in this room or online, I pray, oh God, that you would uh, convict them of sin and of righteousness of judgment. I pray, oh God, that you would uh, draw them to yourself, that you would burden them um, in such a way that they can't escape the conviction uh, that, that they are um, far from you, that they are lost, um, that their sin has destroyed them from the inside out. And I pray that you would give them the courage and the faith to come to you by faith and, and, and look to Jesus as their only hope. Give them the courage to speak to uh, someone, uh, whether it's online or, or, or in this room. Help her, give them the courage to, to speak to someone and say, I need Jesus. And Father, for us who are about to celebrate communion together, the, this family meal, this basis of uh, unity as a church that we celebrate, I pray, God, that you would uh, help us um, sense your urgency for us and for, your, for God's glory and help for us to see and celebrate this wondrous saving work that you've accomplished on us, uh, on our behalf, so that we might leave this room committed and commissioned in a lifestyle of sacrificial service for your glory. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, here's what's going to happen. I want to ask our deacons to come uh, and stand behind the tables. They're going to help uh, dismiss us by row. Uh, this is the last of these packages that we have. That's a good thing. Amen. Um, so uh, you will be uh, released to come and get the elements. Take the element, go back to your seat, and just hold on to them and pray and talk to God. But 
Then, after everyone's been served, I will help us open these packages and walk through the, uh, the Lord's Supper together. All right? Uh, so, uh, gentlemen, will you go ahead and help people to come? So, if this is your first time to take communion from one of these things, uh, you've got two tabs. You've got a thin tab, and we're going to take that one off first, but not yet. And then you've got a thicker tab. The thin tab, you don't have to worry about being gentle. The second tab, you have to be very careful to peel that back slowly and patiently. Um, so, let's go ahead and take that thin tab and you can just peel that off. What you have underneath there, that is a wafer. Now don't take it yet. Why do we have a wafer? Well, we just read about it in Luke 22. Scripture says that Jesus took the bread and he passed it. And then he said something strange. He said, this is my body broken for you. Now, what does that mean? It means this is the picture of how I died, how Jesus died for sinners like you and me. How that he was broken so that we might be made whole. And the way that we celebrate that today and the way that we remember it so powerfully today is that we take the bread, as Jesus said, and we eat it. He said, take eat in remembrance. And you remember in Luke 22, it says, and he took the cup and he passed it. So he's passing the cup, but we've got to be very careful with this thick tab. Okay, so just be patient and slowly peel that back. Because if you don't, you're going to get it all over your white shirt like. He's still passing the cup, so take your time. Now listen. When we think of the cup, our mind races to the cross and how Jesus poured out his blood for our forgiveness. This is the cup of the new covenant. A new covenant that says it is not by the works that you do, but it is by the grace that God bestows in the person of Jesus Christ, where we can be forgiven, not by what we do, but by what Jesus has done for us. Jesus took the cup and he poured it. He said, it's the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for many for the forgiveness of sin. Drink. So once again, everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. And as we enter into this season of thinking about what Jesus has done for us, as we've taken the bread and the cup and and as we've celebrated his saving work in our lives, in our lives that has made broken people whole and dead people alive. Now, 
we commit to him our lives. We commit to him a lifestyle of serving Jesus, our King. Not giving him lip service, but giving him our very life's service. So now, God, in these moments, I pray that you would tune our hearts to obedience to you. Tune our hearts to live a lifestyle of service and sacrifice on your behalf as people who live on mission for you. May we commit ourselves in these moments to you, Lord Jesus, our everlasting King.